story this week. The cutoff that didn't quite make it into the top 10 at number 11, of course. Headline, now Kaylee McEnany has COVID, making it nine from Rose Garden Ceremony. Daily Beast posted that one, and we posted it for you guys on Monday, the 5th of October. And we also know that that number, I believe, went up to 11 from what they're calling a super spreader event. That's not all we're going to talk about on COVID-19. We'll get to some presidential stuff in just a bit. But that's all we're talking about for that story. For more details on that one in particular, go to our website, thisistheconversation.com, and click on the link for this week's podcast. In the meantime, what we're getting to in mere moments is the stories that you said were the most important. Count them down from 10 to 1. Right now, or just about right now, here on the weekly wrap-up with Jacob Payne for the week ending October the 10th, 2020. And welcome to the show. My name, Jay Cleveland Payne. This show, the weekly wrap up. This is a podcast that is about wrapping up the week's worth of news that you told me were the top stories. So we go over not just the big things based on the the what the Q ratings are and what's been on TV all the time. So it's not basically Trump, 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 Trump with a little bit of Biden and some fly there. We know about that. But these are the stories that we posted throughout the week on our social media attached to the conversation project. So to be a part of what's going on and see how it works, just visit thisistheconversation.com and see all the links and connections or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook, look for This Is The Conversation and on Twitter, TH underscore conversation. Make sure that we are priming your feed so that you see us. And when you go and check your Twitter feed or check your Facebook feed and you see our stories posted there on your feeds, like them, love them, hate them, share them, don't ignore them. The more engagement you give a story, the higher the score it gets. At the end of the week, we go from Friday to Friday. So tying over the week a little bit, we will put all the scores from Facebook and Twitter into a ranking that evens them out. So we have one real cool score and that score gives us the top to bottom of the stories top of course number one bottom this week is 204 204 distinct different stories posted throughout the day at the our social media and you can see other website so to find out more about the stories that we want all posted here including ones that you won't hear about all stories between 11 to 203 Go to our website, thisistheconversation.com. We have a link for every single story in our countdown and in our list that we dealt with. You can go and go deeper into the stories and see what exactly is there. So we're going to go into the top 10 stories right now. We're also at the very end of the show, talk about the story at the very bottom, the story we call the almost relevant story of the week. Number 204, we'll tell you what it is, a little bit about it. And usually that's a story that's posted very late in the week with not enough time to really marinate and get some juice. This one was actually posted kind of early, so this is one on that end. And we'll give you some context of what went on and how things worked out as well. To be a part of the show and really be a part of what goes on, we are looking for people to help us and partner with us and basically keep things going. Literally, keep the lights on. If you want to see how that can happen for you, check out thisisaconversation.com slash partnerships, and you can see the best way for you to partner up with us at the conversation project. Of course, the best way you can always help with that doesn't cost you very much. Is make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. And you share with other people like-minded who want to get into the know of what stories are more conversational, not just what stories the chirons on the, the mainstream media stick around to all day long. You can email the show with anything you want to at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Let's get into the countdown for this week, starting off at number 10, which is where you do in a top 10 countdown. This story was the highest rated Facebook story. And I tell you, in most cases, Twitter drives this 
countdown. Twitter drives the 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 place thing way things are placed here, and Facebook is normally just kind of a kicker that will move things up or down a few things. A big Facebook response will move things a few spots. This one kept this story from being uh, basically not quite top 15-ish to right in the top 10. Again, it's the highest rated Facebook story of the week. Uh, it, it is a bump in response. That means more people responded to this one than the cutoff story by just a little bit, 1.45%. Headline reads, Feds bust militia plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, overthrow government, affidavit says. The Daily Beast gave us this version of the report. We posted on Thursday, the 8th of October. So this was a late bloomer in its own, but it made it into the top 10. And you've probably heard this story over and over again. And now we've had about a day and a half or so to get different bents on it. But an extremely complicated, extremely detailed plot by right now, I think about 17 people have been arrested somewhere in that, that range. The 13, 17 people have been arrested uh, dealing with a militia group, uh, a couple of loosely banned militia groups that are based with uh, sort of linked to the Boogaloo moment movement, sort of based to something called the the Wolverine militia. Uh, and, and they essentially had a really detailed plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitner and maybe even kill her. They were going to either, you know, basically kidnap her from her vacation home and put her on trial for treason, essentially, or may just flat out kill her if that's what we're going to do. They had explosives set up for distractions going on, and it was a literal overthrow of a state government. Now, this was thwarted, and we've learned deeper into the stories how it happened. Essentially, the one guy put a little too much on the social media, and that tipped off what was going on. And, of course, they were tracking these folks for quite some time. So there really wasn't any real danger, we could say, of this coming through. But the fact that all this planning came about uh, over, essentially, Governor Whitmer and her handling of COVID for the state of Michigan— well, you can go from there. Uh, we're not going to go deep into the political bents on who these people are and why they are. That's We've had those discussions before. And we have a lot more to get to today. But this is something that scares the holy living bleep out of me because the, one of the number one issues we are having are our, our watchdog agencies, the FBI, the CIA, ATF, the folks are telling us that the biggest threat we have to our freedom right now is not the foreign terrorism it's really domestic terrorism the guys who are here who have an idea that the government's not doing what they want it to do being local or sometimes national and they've got guns they've got got beliefs and they want to stir things up so we're going to see if more groups like this are going to stand by and stand down or whatever it is they're doing or whether we'll have more of a crackdown on things like this Let's move the story at number nine. And by the way, this is going to be an odd one. I'll explain it down the way. We have a super story dealing with football in COVID-19, but we have three distinct stories that deal with football, NFL football quarterbacks, and they're different bents. So that's why we kept those the same. We'll explain what a super story is when we get to that story and why it's that way. But this one at number nine is a quick read and quick explanation. Dwayne Haskins benched by Washington football team. Kyle Allen named starting quarterback Wednesday, the 7th of October is day we posted that one. This story, a bump in response of 4.29%. 
This story is not necessarily a grand story. It doesn't really make uh, too many waves of headlines because this is going to go on week four, uh, week five for the NFL's football season. And even in a non-COVID shortened, weird season like it is now, around this time, many starting quarterbacks find their way on the bench because performance is not going well. Many rookie quarterbacks that they thought they're going to have hopes and dreams on find themselves on the bench because they're not going well. Many rookie quarterbacks are getting a chance to see light of day they weren't expected to see because the vet wasn't doing well. So on that sense, it's there. Here's where the wrinkle comes for Dwayne Haskins. And this is something that people believe has sort of been kind of overplayed, but it really is not. Dwayne Haskins is a rookie quarterback. He's a black quarterback. And because there is a a sometimes really real perception, it's not just sort of a perceived image of the black quarterback and what black quarterbacks can do from a standpoint of athletics and sometimes of just mental acuity. um, A lot of times quarterbacks, young rookies and black quarterbacks don't get a lot of time to develop, don't get a lot of time to take the time to make mistakes and just learn how to do the job. This is what a lot of people were essentially throwing at the Washington football team uh, for this. A lot of hopes and dreams are going into Washington football team, whatever their mascot name will be coming soon, because they took they, they went the extra mile to change their name and to change your name ahead of time, having all the trademarks in. They went to the extra mile of, of, of drafting a young, hopefully talented quarterback. You never know what works out today. They actually put him on the field. And they gave him a lot of rope to begin with, but they basically took that rope away, and now it's gone to Kyle Allen, who is a serviceable quarterback, and you know he's good enough to, to, to sit number two and take the spot. The team has the right to do what they want to do, but there is that shadow of if he were a rookie and a white guy and doing just as well, or maybe even worse, would he have been given more time to develop? Those are questions that people can ask, people can sort of, I think what they want to on those levels, but it's one of those things that because of the situation, because of the optics, that's what gets out there. Number eight, Ford F-150 electrics edge against rivals like the Tesla Cybertruck may be a gas generator. Posted this from Saturday, the 3rd of October. Uh, Tesla Roddy is a place that came from. It's a website that deals with electric vehicles and things like that. Uh, this gets a bumper response, a big one, actually, 15.07%. You will want to check the link to this one because going deep into this one really will basically put us all sort of down. But apparently enough people thought enough of electric vehicles and this one in particular to bump this one up into the top 10 at the eight spot, a very prominent spot if you will. So check out the link for this one at our website, this is the conversation.com a link for this week's podcast podcast week ending October the 10th, 2020. And essentially what it is, is the way to maybe get more people into the thought process of buying a electric truck, something that's going to haul things and carry large things because they're a little worried about the electric motor essentially having the power of a gas, a gas vehicle is the fact that there's a gas generator to help pull those things. If you're into the dynamics of it, into the mechanics of it, or just curious about electric stuff, check it out by checking our website and clicking click that link for that story. At number seven, Tanya Montague loses YouTube verification, possibly for offering nudes for Biden votes. TMZ, our source for this one, we posted on a Monday, the 5th of October, 
bump in response from the number eight story of 13.1%. We had a lot of stories that went in early this week that stuck around uh, pretty heavy this week. And this is a story that's interesting because we actually uh, posted the, I thought we posted the the update on this one, but it didn't seem to rank very high. So we didn't worry about adding it into the super story con- context to move very high enough. Seven seems high enough for the story. Tana Montague is a YouTuber. She's famous for being a YouTuber to the people she's famous to. And if she's not famous to you, that's that's okay because the story still is interesting on its own. She has a platform and people listen to her. And like most people who have some sort of platform, whether extremely large or small, a lot of them are doing their civic duty and reminding people to vote, whether they're asking you to vote for people on the right or the left or just in general. A lot of people doing that. I do that every Friday or have at least every Friday for the last couple of weeks. And a live feed I do that's essentially a celebration of the work week and kind of a just kind of a uh, relax and chill out, get ready for the weekend thing. I've been reminding folks that voting is coming up. She did the same thing, only she sort of implied, kind of hinted that if you vote for Biden, if Biden wins, if you are out there and you say, yes, I'm putting my money behind the older old white guy, she'd start posting some nudes on the Internet. And YouTube didn't quite like that very much, and she lost the verification. Now, at the point in time, there was no actual correlation that her offering possibly, allegedly, maybe offering nudes to people who will vote for Joe Biden wasn't there. But there was a follow-up story that was basically that um, she didn't necessarily, uh, well, it may have sounded like she was going to offer up this um, quid pro quo, but it was more of a jest, more of a joke, more of just kind of a throwaway that turned into something big. I don't follow Miss uh, Miss Montague, so I don't even know if her YouTube is back up, if they cleared that out. I just know this is a story we posted early, and this is a story you guys went to fairly often at this posting. The stories at number five and six are ties. They are by the scores. Like we say, we weigh out the Facebook and the Twitter, and they come up with a real score, a raw score, a one score. And these two stories have the exact same point. Now, we don't call them ties, particularly we let the younger story be the higher ranking because it got to that number with less time. So the lower ranking part of the tie, the number six story, it reads like this. Syrian rebels reportedly sent to fight in Azerbaijan, Armenian conflict. I always have a problem with Azerbaijan. Uh, Sunday, the 10th, uh, the, the 4th of October, 10th month, 4th day, I should say. Uh, so today we posted this one. Of course, we said this one is tied with number five. So the bump in response from both those stories from seven to six and five is just 1.05%, so not very much. And this is a story we've been following for a while. There's issues with a strip of land between Azerbaijan and Armenia as they are battling over old-time land rights. And looks like uh, more troops are being sent in there who are sympathetic to the cause to uh, join the fight. We're going to have to just kind of keep watching this one because this is not a good thing for right now. Uh, COVID-19 notwithstanding, any of these weird and weird just domestic uh, foreign conflicts uh, where, to be honest, us in the U.S. don't quite understand what the deal is. They kind of in a general point, point of view uh, are things that can turn into very big things very quickly without um, anyone really having an idea what to handle. And with us being essentially distracted, one on election, two on coronavirus and three on just the various just way we are just not clicking in the states. I'm not sure just how well other nations are, are doing in those type of things. I know here in the States, 
we're not doing so well. So being focused on what other people are doing, their problems, and, and what we would normally be come in to sort of smooth things out is an issue. At number five, as we say, this story also a 1.05 bump in response from number seven story tied with number six. This one posted on Monday, the 5th of October. So that's why it's the higher ranking. The headline is prepare for a potential hurricane. Tropical storm Delta strengthens heads for Gulf Coast. And as we record this on Saturday, the 10th of October, tropical storm Delta turned into hurricane level four as it rolled over Cancun and then went back to the Gulf and it had a couple of days. It hit the coast of Louisiana at, I believe, a two late yesterday. It is now making its way through Louisiana into Tennessee uh, as a tropical depression. It's going to stay pretty well bundled for a couple of days and may make its way all the way up into uh, Washington, D.C. area in about two or three days or so as a major rain event. We're feeling some of the rain from here in, in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, from the tail end of where the storm was, the the good news was it wasn't such a bad thing, wasn't as very strong when it hit. And, of course, it just didn't stir up as much as the past couple of storms. Bad news is this is the fourth storm to hit Louisiana. It is, I believe, the 10th storm to hit the continental United States. It is a storm that rolled up pretty much brushed past the damage from uh, Lake Charles from weeks ago in Laura. And I believe it's Laura. I'm going from memory. And it's we've had, like I said, four storms hitting Louisiana. Uh, Delta uh, normally don't even get that far. Not Delta as in the D storm. Delta as in the Greek alphabet letter after they run out of regular letters. Uh, this has been a, a weird year, a very strong how, uh, hurricane season, obviously. Uh, hurricane seasons technically last till past the election date, to be honest. But and there are not very few storms that hit from here on through the tail end of the season. But we've already been through most of the actual namings, including the, the Greek alphabet. We'll see just how many more things the ocean will churn up between now and December. We'll see. We'll probably be blizzards and whatnot happening by that time. The number four story, another football story, another quarterback story. This headline is Jimmy Garoppolo put out or out again for 49ers. We posted this on Saturday, the 3rd of October, a bump in response from the number five and six. Of course, a tide, remember, of 43.75%. We kept this one separate from the last story of another quarterback not playing, being out, because this guy's out for injury. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, first or second week, the San Francisco 49ers uh, just had a bunch of people just go down with injuries, nagging injuries apparently for Garoppolo, who missed this the fourth week of football. And this is a symptom, if you will, of the weirdness of the season. Remember, if you're not an NFL football fan, then just kind of follow along. But if you are, this is the timeline that things have happened. Of course, we didn't know there would be a football season, period. Uh, the back and forth was whether there'd be fans in the stands. There's not very many fans in some places, and most places are just flat out empty. Uh, there was no. Well, there were some training camps that were late, although many of the players did have involuntary groupings, and a lot of those guys are training 24-7 all year round for big things anyway. There were no preseason games, which many people believe is a good thing. They went straight to football, but there wasn't the normal chance to basically get in shape sort of test things out, see if some of these rookie guys are going to kind of work out very well. And of course, do the traditional trimming down of the rosters. They basically had to just kind of go blindly and say, we're keeping this guy, keeping this guy, getting rid of this folks. And of course, when you rush things like that, 
oftentimes you, things aren't always in sync. It takes a while for things to work out. And some people aren't exactly in conditioning as they would be if they had run through the actual just rig and roll of a training camp and of a post a preseason and all those things like that. Jimmy Garoppolo's injury may or may not be a part of that, but that is a symptom of a lot of teams now five weeks into the season and trying their best to keep up with the whole COVID thing with that in a bit and and just generally just fitness, uh, how to keep people on the field. There are a lot of teams right now this early that are pulling from their practice squads and pulling people off the street, the fill spots, who are getting a chance to shine and may actually take for permit spots, those temporary positions that they're getting. So a lot of people in the NFL, at least on the field these days, are getting some real good cracks at some big-time chances. We'll see if any of the people who take those spots, because traditionally the the sort of unwritten rule is you don't lose your spot to injury. Of course, that's not what happened with Tom Brady. We'll see how this thing rolls on. At number three, the well, there's there's still more COVID to come, but this story is the big one that overtook everybody in the uh, mainstream media, and it's still overtaking again today. Although it literally changes every couple hours, this is the original headline that we posted as we watched it happen on Friday. Trump taken to Walter Reed Hospital as a precautionary measure. The second of October day we posted that one, bump in response of twelve point three two percent from the number four. This is a long and convoluted story, and this is just the one bit of piece that's there. We had various different Trump um, updates on this one, and they did not fall close enough to really range anything. And at number three, we figured out it was strong enough as it is. So here's what happened in this headline, and here's what's happened up until today. On Friday evening, uh, the president was taken to Walter Reed Hospital as a precautionary measure because he, the day before he announced he had contracted COVID-19. He and his wife, uh, Melania Trump, and various members of the staff who, who we believe picked it up in the story that was number 11, so you may want to go check that out on top of that one. That was the cutoff story about Kaylee McEnany being the ninth person uh, from the Rose Garden event to have contracted, believe, from that event there. Uh, but Trump's story is a totally different thing. He goes to Walter Reed on a Friday night, he gets in a helicopter. He flies there. He goes into the to the the suite they have. They release a video on his way out there, saying, "I'm going to get checked up." They release the video the next day that many people believe was produced the day before, uh, saying, "I'm doing fine. Things are great." Um, uh, as the times happen, many of his followers, many people who, who and there's no really problem with that, people who support President Trump gathered around Walter Reed to show support, basically rally for the president. President decided that even though he's still contagious and going through experimental drugs and all sorts of stuff, that he's going to ride in the backseat of the car and kind of do a drive by and wave at the folks because, hey, they're out there. I got to show them some appreciation. That got a little bit of backlash. A few days later, he just said, I'm out. I'm done. Period. He um, he checked himself out a few days later, even though people worried about exactly how he'd be. The checkout turned into a weird recording video of a what we believe is for some sort of campaign video where he lands on the south lawn goes up the steps stands in front of some flags takes off his mask and salutes then records a couple things and rolls around then they were quickly leave with another video where he's talking about how great regeneron is and and he's found the cure and other other stuff and other other stuff then of course uh they talked about the debate that's supposed to happen this week uh, because the president has only been uh, diagnosed with COVID-19 for less than a week. 
They think he may still be contagious. They want to make it a virtual event. President Trump live on the air, basically five minutes after hearing about this, says, I ain't doing it. I'm going to have a rally instead. Joe Biden hearing that said, well, I guess we're not doing it either. We're going to do a town hall instead. So there's no second debate. No, we'll see what happens with the third debate where they shift that going on. Third debate's still on because he should be cleared of anything by then. And all sorts of weird extra craziness. Yes, one little headline about him going to the hospital turned into a full week. And to be honest, the headline and the story changed in most cases at least three times in a span of 24 hours, three different main points about President Trump and his COVID-19. Today, uh, he's holding an event in the same spot on on the South Lawn where he's standing on the balcony and I guess speaking via microphone or something like that. And we know that at least yesterday, as we're recording this on Saturday, on Friday, he did have another COVID-19 test. Obviously, he should be having them fairly often to see if he's cleared. But he told us he had a test. He just won't tell us what the results are. No one knows when he last tested negative. We know that uh, we just know that Wednesday or Thursday of last week is basically when he essentially was positive after we found out about Hope Hicks uh, testing positive and being extremely ill around the main parts of the staff. Uh, but we, we don't know whether that is itself sort of a red herring to throw people off or whether she was infected, and got ill from such as this big super spreader event. She just happened to hit the, the, the symptoms very hard early. We don't know. Trust me, we do care. Uh, We want to know because we care about the health of these people. And we sort of need to know because he's kind of in charge. We need to know these things. The number two story this week uh, is a super story. This is a story that combines different headlines throughout the week. And this is one that's combined from three different pieces from the two teams that are involved. Uh, that's also COVID related and football related. The headline that we uh, stuck with as the main point was, NFL postpones Patriots-Chiefs game after Cam Newton tests positive for COVID-19. USA Today was the source for this one for Saturday, the 3rd of October. So this was the thing that got it started. And this headline on its own was basically top five on its own. We added a couple more things as the wrinkles continued on this story itself. And what happened was the game was postponed. Uh, there was already another game postponed uh, because of COVID-19. This is the second game that was postponed. They actually didn't, weren't sure when it was going to happen. They, they, they originally scheduled it for Tuesday. Then they had a doubleheader for Monday. The game went on. It was actually a fairly good game, although Cam Newton did not play because of his positive test. And they went back and forth with various other issues of the of the note the the big thing of note was the game that was happening with the Tennessee Titans as they had many people testing positive of of that week Tennessee Titans and Tampa Bay uh, ended up being turned into a bye week a very very early bye week for uh not for for the teams because they they were going to try it Tuesday they couldn't feel the team and what we're looking at right now was people who thought they had bye weeks uh, later on in the season your fanny's football team thought you had four teams not playing until everything just went back and forth and crazy. So for the people who are trying to make money off families football or just playing for fun, they're having issues as it is. The real issue is the NFL needs to make sure this season goes off with as few hitches as possible. And right now, four teams with some very serious uh, aspects of what's going on, including coming up this week, another game that's postponed till probably Tuesday, dealing with the Tennessee Titans still, is going to be a big issue. 
money is the key that drives these things, of course. But we are looking at the safety of all of us in the lives of these people playing the game. Uh, it's a very physical game that already has issues with safety as it is. Is Add in this mysterious uh, virus and it gets that much more crazy. If you follow football, you'll know just how insane it is. If you follow sports any of this season, the fact that the Lakers and the Heat are playing right now in October for a championship when they should be starting their season basically last week, the hockey season ending at the beginning of October, and all sorts of things also out of flux. In baseball, while they play in October with the expanded roster, they'll be playing baseball well into December to get a champion. It's been a crazy year for sports. We're going to see how this thing, all these things play out. And the number one story this week, this one gets the fanfare, and it deserved it because it did, 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 did work. Plenty of work this week. The top-rated Twitter story, usually it is, and it is by leaps and bounds today. This story gets a bump in response. Oh, by the way, the last story, number two story, had a bump in response of 49.03% uh, from the number three story. If I didn't say that, this story for the number one, is 330% higher than that one from, from two to one. From the number 10 story, which was the feds uh, busting the militia group, it gets a bump response of 1,321. And for our almost relevant story of the week, that's story number 204. We'll tell you what that is in a moment. The bump in response is 49,650%. This story got 18.31% of all the engagement in all the stories this week. So about 20% engagements for everything you popped into happened for this story on its own. It was posted on Saturday, the 3rd of October. As we said, a lot of stories stuck around for quite some time. I'm just going to read you the bulk of the story as it came down uh, because that's the only way to get into it. Here's your headline. Cal Cunningham admits to sexual text with California woman will stay in Senate race. Here is the story uh, as it came down. Dateline, Raleigh, North Carolina. Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate Cal Cunningham apologized on Friday night for sending sexual messages to a woman in California. A story published by the website nationalfile.com indicates Cunningham, who is running against Republican Senator Tom Tillis, Tom Tillis engaged in extramarital ex Activity with the wife of a fellow veteran. The website identified the woman as Arlene Guzman Todd. Her husband is Jeremy Todd, who served 15 years in the Army, according to information the website said. Cunningham is married to Elizabeth Cunningham and has two children. He said in a statement that he will not drop out of the Senate race. Here's part of the statement. I have hurt my family, disappointed my friends, and I'm deeply sorry, he said. The first step in repairing those relationships is taking complete responsibility, which I do. I ask that my family's privacy be respected in the personal matter. Remain grateful and humbled by the outgoing support that North Carolinians have extended in this campaign and in the remaining weeks before the election. I will continue to work to earn the opportunity to fight for the people in this state, Cunningham's statement came hours after Tillis posted on Twitter that he has the coronavirus. Tillis said he, quote, will be self-isolating at home for 10 days. Tillis' campaign responded to the public apologies made by Cunningham. Quote, our campaign is focusing on the health of Senator Tillis and our staff, spokesman said for Tillis. Cunningham said Guzman Todd 
was, quote, historically sexy. This is the back and forth. And was streaming, was dreaming, quote, of our time together. Guzman Todd said in one text to Cunningham, she wants, quote, a night with you, unquote. And Cunningham agreed. National File reported with uh, Guzman had this one. The only thing I want on my to do list is you. Guzman Todd also wrote, according to the National File, Cunningham then replied, sounds so hot and so fun. Now, there are so many ways we can go with this, and I usually use the number one story and give commentary on it based on what you guys said. The insanity that this is happening is should not actually be all that surprising, but the insanity that, that the one candidate who has this late uh, texting, sexting scandal popping up is battling against a guy who, of course, is now down for the count temporarily because of coronavirus. Uh, it just makes this race that much more insane and that much more noticeable. North Carolina uh, race right here, a lot of people have eyes on because of just the, the, the state of politics as it is. But the fact that we are weeks before the election and we're finding out about this, not that it it's necessarily our business and also not that it's really a great thing for people we're giving public trust to to undermine that trust with things like this. He admitted to it, so we got that. He can fix it with his family. He can do that. But at this point, as a stage of mind, there's really is all the other insanity dealing with the election cycle this year. There's there's very little that can shock us. Apparently, you guys were extremely shocked or extremely curious about this one. We'll see how this one plays. And this is a race that had plenty of eyeballs on it before. Now that many more on the national scope. So let's give you some context to how things worked out this week. As I said, that story at number one had the engagement of 18.31% of everything, of all the stories out there. The top 10 this week, uh, sticking pretty uh, stable at 37.41%. That's how many people were actually, of all the, the stories we posted out there, were engaged. So 40%-ish of people out there were in the top 10. The 11 through 15, we don't do the full 11 through 15 anymore, but we let you know how the engagement was for stories that were quite not quite there, about 5.8%. That's basically where that always stands. We tell you that Twitter drives the countdown. Twitter drives the responses, and it always does. This week, uh, a lot of Facebook activity, although it, it helped some of the lower stories get a little bit higher, and we know that number 10 story made it in the 10 because of Facebook and a big response there. This one is kind of an outlier. Normally, the Facebook engagement is about 9%. This week, 13.6%. And Twitter, on the math side of that, means it's 86.4%. On that end, the number 204 story, the story at the very bottom of the list, only got engagement of 0.04%. So, obviously, nobody got into this. But that's normally because it's a story posted late Thursday, early Friday. This just doesn't get caught in any time frame. This one we actually posted on Monday, the 5th of October. As we said, this story, whatever responsiveness, if you want to say minus 49,650%, is that much less responsive than one story? Your headline for 204, posted on Monday, the 5th of October, reads like this. U.S. commercial bankruptcies up 33% year to date. Reuters are source for this. Um, this one was posted early in the week and nobody particularly cared. Now, bankruptcies being up have a lot to do with the economy and the economy has a lot to do with COVID-19 and the purposely shutdown, the purposeful shutdown 
of many industries, many things, and money overlaps, money overlaps, money overlaps. That's what we find out. We're definitely finding out here that every dollar that you expect to be flipped a couple times and go through your neighborhood and then go in different places, those dollars aren't going anywhere because they can't. They can't. They're not allowed to. That's causing a lot of serious issues for a lot of folks who are hurting right now money-wise. That's why this was a big enough story to have a write-up on it because it means a lot. It wasn't quite big enough for you guys this week to talk about in conversation at the very, very bottom of the list. Now, to go through the stories from 203 all the way up, you can go to our website, thisistheconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, podcast week ending October the 10th, 2020. And like we said, every single link to every single story is there. They're in sections, so it's not just like, bam, it's there. But you can see them all right there. To make sure the stories you believe should be heard are heard next week in next week's podcast, follow us on Facebook at This Is The Conversation or on Twitter. Follow us at TH underscore conversation. And as the stories come through your feed, like them, love them, hate them, share them. Do not ignore them. The more engagement you give to the story, the higher the score they get at the end of the week. And we'll go through the top 10 stories, the stories that you said were the most conversational. You can email the show about anything you want to at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. You can be a part of keeping things going by being a partner. Go to this is a conversation.com slash partnerships. Find out how you can partner up with us and make sure things keep going. You can just click on any link you see inside of our feeds or inside of our products, our newsletter, our website inside of the feeds themselves. Those are links for affiliate ads that help us get paid as well. The most important thing you do is make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you share with other people who are like-minded wanting to get the best information, the best news out there. And some of the things that people are talking about that gets lost in the shuffle with the things that are stuck on the chirons and the mainstream media all day long. You can find out more things about what I have going on outside of this one because I got a lot going on at jcompain.net. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, being a part of this project, and just being you, being interested in more than just the yakety yak, and hopefully it's a the other side's view. Even if you are strong on one side, you at least take the time to listen to what other voices and what other noise is out there. Uh, we're already working, obviously we're posting throughout the days and throughout the time, so we're already working on a great set of stories. A lot of stories we're seeing for this weekend, we'll probably stick around for next but you'll see exactly what stories over the span of seven days that you said were the most conversational. You said it, not Wolf Blitzer, not Rachel Maddow. You said it. We'll talk about those next week on the weekly wrap up with Jay Cleveland Payne. See you next week.